Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. We're glad you're here. Welcome today. And uh, thanks for being part of uh, Faith Assembly and uh, for growing. And hopefully we're growing in the things that God has for us. Uh, We're in this series called How Faith Moves. And we've been looking at uh, what it looks like to live by faith and uh, walk in faith in this place we call faith, uh, literally faith assembly, and uh, how faith moves. And so we've been introducing this over the last couple of weeks uh, that uh, we're part of a, a church that is uh, joined together to see God's purpose, God's kingdom, God's work accomplished in our lives and in our world through our lives. And so faith moves on 10 and 6. We introduced this a couple uh, weeks ago, 10 and 6, that 10%. Uh, how do we literally operate here as a church and, and working together? It's uh, uh, the 10% belongs to the Lord, and uh, we've calculated six days. What would it look like to be fully engaged in the life of the church, being a part of uh, uh, worship, being a part of point groups, being a part of serve teams on uh, a regular basis? It looks like six days throughout a year, and so we've said that God is worth. He deserves our 10% because it already belongs to him. It's his anyway, and uh, he deserves our six days, and uh, just that, that acknowledgement of giving God. 10 and 6. That's how faith moves. And uh, if you weren't here, we of course handed out these uh, basketballs just to remind us that God has given you the ball. He's given you resources. He's given you opportunity. And the encouragement with that is don't be a ball hog. Pass the ball. That was so bad. It was meant for Lee and it was way off. So uh, I don't even know how far or where it went. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know where it went. Uh, They're still up here, but uh, uh, obviously just as a reminder, God has given us resources and things to use, so uh, let's not not keep to ourselves, be a part of what God has going on. Well, why don't you stand with me? I want to get into the Word. I feel like some of us need to do aerobics or something. I wouldn't even know how to lead that. I don't even know what that, uh, I just, I've heard that said before, that uh, there's this thing called aerobics. I don't know what it is. Uh, My my favorite, I heard this gentleman say one time, he said, you know, the, the McRib is back. And uh, he said, uh, that's great. And uh, he said, um, uh, you know, you shouldn't eat the McRib because the same stuff they make exercise mats is what they make, they use to make the McRib. And he said, what is an exercise mat? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, uh, how faith moves. I want to look today, John the Baptist, he's a popular guy in scripture um, and just in, in the, our Christian walk um, Here's John, where we find him in Matthew chapter 11. Here's what it says. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we be looking for someone else? I love that. I love the, the, the realness, the honesty. Are you the Messiah or should we be looking for someone else? Jesus told him, go back to John. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. How many know today the dead are still being raised to life, that God is still healing blind eyes, opening deaf ears, preaching the gospel to the poor? How many know the kingdom of God is still advancing? 
Come on, you believe you're a part of an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom of God is still advancing and moving. He says, tell him this. And he added, and Jesus added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Another translation says they're not offended by me. He blesses those who aren't offended, those who don't stumble because of me, those who don't fall away because of me. And uh, I want to talk today uh, just from this phrase that uh, we get from the sports world. When you go out onto the field and you had one play in mind, but what you see isn't going to line up, and so you have to call an audible. And uh, I pray today God would give us ears to hear the audible, that God is still working even when it doesn't look like it, even when you can't see it that God is calling an audible. There's sometimes we need to learn how to close our eyes and just listen. We need to close our eyes to what's around us and just see. So Father, I pray today as, as we grow in faith, God, as we, as we move in faith, give us eyes to see what your spirit is doing. I pray God today that we would have ears to hear, to be able to respond, and God, to know you like we've never known you before, that God, we can live with the confident hope that comes from you alone. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that today, would you say amen? You may be seated real quick. I want to give you a couple of uh, just a uh, um, review of where we are. So faith, we are people of faith. What is faith? Faith is to have confident hope or confident trust in God. It's complete confident trust in God. This is a description of faith because you can't define faith. Faith does not have a definition because it's too great and too big to comprehend. But faith is, de is described as confident hope and trust in God. So we hold on and we walk. We hold on while we walk. So this is what we said that there's a handle to faith because uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because if anyone comes to him by faith, they must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we said there's a handle that as we walk in faith, we hold on to faith and faith is this, that we hold on to the handle that says he is God and he is good. Is there anybody who is determined that this is your confession of faith, that he is God and he is good in every circumstance, in any situation, in every moment, in every, everything that comes and goes? Is there anyone who is determined today that he is God and he is good? And then when we walk in faith, there's the handle of faith to hold on to, but there's also the steps of faith, the, the walk of faith that we take. You can't have faith and stay still. Faith requires action, and every action that moves steps in this, this order of faith, and that's connected to the greatest commandment when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so everything we do, we hold on that he is God and he is good, because how many know life has some turns where you have to say, oh God, you hold on, he is God and he is good, and every step we take is in this process of it is for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbors yourself, that we are people who are engaged in this life of serving one another, serving the, the heart of God, but pursuing God, holding on in every season. I want to talk today, as we already said, just this title, Calling an Audible, because sometimes when things don't look the way we thought, there's time for a change. It's not God who changes, because how many know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? But there's some things that he's doing in inside of us. Just to make sure if I'm in a, in a real place or, you know, just the um, religious place. Anybody in the room ever been annoyed? Anybody ever been bothered? Anybody ever been frustrated? I, um, I, I tend to get annoyed uh, sometimes. Uh, I get annoyed by traffic. Traffic annoys me. Anybody else get annoyed by traffic? 
Traffic's annoying. Um, I get annoyed by people who easily get annoyed. Uh, like, you know, some people, like, they get annoyed by anything. Uh, like, probably traffic-related as well. The light turns green. They're sitting behind me. And before I even had time to take my foot off the brake to the gas, they've already beeped their horn because they're annoyed that I haven't gone fast enough. And I'm annoyed at their annoyance. And so uh, I, I get annoyed at uh, sometimes poor customer service. I, I sometimes get annoyed. Um, have you ever been annoyed by the person you're sitting beside? Yeah. Yeah. Raise your hand if you've ever been annoyed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are real people in a real church living in a real world with real faith, serving a real God. I, uh, I, I got annoyed one day. I was, um, had it planned, and, and uh, I'm going to a meeting. I, I'm going to show up on time. I've given myself enough time to stop by the store. I knew that where I was heading in this meeting, I would pass the store that I needed to pick something up to take it home that night. And if I would get it on my way there, it would save me time. I would not be out of my way coming back. And then when I'm done for the day, I can go right home. And how many know sometimes it's just good to know you're just going home and you've got the evening free to just hang out at home? It was one of those days. I'm looking forward to it. I've got this meeting. I'm going to chill. I've got it planned. I know what I'm going to do. I left with enough time. I didn't go to one of those big stores where they have aisles that go crisscross back and forth, you know, and all over. I went to the small store that you can just walk in and almost see like all around you. There's what I need. I can easily walk in, get what I need, get to the place of checking out. I'm good. Make my meeting. I've given myself this window of about 15 minutes that is enough time to stop at the store to pick up what I need and then get back in the vehicle, get to my meeting with enough time. I've got a plan. As I get the item that I need, I come to the checkout counter. And just as I get to the checkout counter, this dear lady is ahead of me and she steps right in with a whole cart full of stuff that she is purchasing. It's one thing. I thought this is not a uh, a great inconvenience. I gave myself time. I'm going to be good. She's going to check out all of that stuff, and then I'm going to get my thing, and I'm going to be on the road. It's good. What I didn't realize is that this individual that was in this the store that walks in front of me, the person checking her out, or the the uh, the the cashier who is there, they were long lost friends and haven't seen each other for a long time. Therefore, they have caught up, and in the process of catching up of where they lived, where they moved, where they've been, how many kids they got on to the kids. And I thought, surely they don't have that many kids. There ought to be enough time. They've got like three. I'm thinking no more. Who has more than three kids anymore? I mean, there's four kids. There's enough. Now we're onto the dog. We're talking about the uncle. I'm getting annoyed. I did one of those looking at my clock. I literally did it like this. I went. Seven minutes have passed by. Surely they'll get done and it will go quicker. She goes on communicating, finally gets through the basket or the, the cart, checks everything out or is in the process of checking everything out. Another lady walks behind me. I'm in the process of trying to keep my cool. I would love to say something, you know, like, hey, there are other people that need to do something, go places. Would you please hurry up? Being a pastor in that town didn't want to, I'm not sure how that goes over. So I'm like, I'm all right, this is good. Every one of these, every once in a while. Finally, a lady comes behind her. Not finally, she comes behind me. She's there now for about two minutes. I've been standing for seven minutes. She's two minutes behind me. She leans in and says, don't you think they could save that for another time? I'm like, oh God, get behind me, Satan. Because I want to say, I know, right? I'm annoyed. Can you believe this? And so she's behind me. I'm like, ah, yeah, they're, they're happy to meet each other. Finally, everything out of the basket is done. We have greeted and found out everything about Harry Tom 
whoever else, you know, all the people. Anyway, she gets to me. She is so smiley and bubbly. The, the cashier, she looks at me. She says, oh, honey, how are you today? Not as good as you are. I didn't quite say it like that, but I was annoyed. It was one of those things. Now, before you get all spiritual on me, like, oh, Jason, you just got to allow the Lord to lead. I love that we can be real sometimes, and it's okay to be annoyed. Anybody ever been annoyed? There are just those moments that it, it bothers. You know, it's like, ah, oh, why is it going like that? We, we are not the people and I don't know if you've met these people like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. The hand of the Lord is upon me. All is well and never bad. I'm just wonderful. I'm like, rebuke, come out in Jesus' name because that's not real. I mean, come on. There are moments like, how are you doing? Man, I'm not doing the best. There are moments like, I'm, I'm bothered. I'm, I'm annoyed. It's not what I expected. It's not what I desired. I want to say to you today, you can be a Christian and still be annoyed. Some of you are like, Hallelujah. I mean, religion pretends like everything, I got it all together. I got everything. We're just perfect. We got it all figured out. We got all, no. But reality says, yeah, you know what? I've, I've got some areas, and this is how I fight my battles. Yeah, this is what I'm learning. This is where I'm walking. Because what I've learned about the things that annoy me or bother me, they're usually connected to the things that don't go the way I planned. You don't usually get annoyed just for annoyance sake. I mean, there are those people. Like, if you are easily annoyed, you need Jesus right now. I was talking to a, a lady one time, and, and she said, oh, yeah, I live in a, a, a neighborhood. It's just, you know, the neighbors around me, it's difficult, all the kids. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, it's a rough area, you know, she's whatever this is, all these kids. And she's telling me how difficult it is with all these kids where she lives. And I'm like, you know, there's violence. Are they, you know, are they, uh, are, are they uh, stealing or what are they doing, you know, uh, what, what's going on? And she says, yeah, you just don't know what it's like to just sit in your living room at night and hear nothing but kids laughing. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that stinks. I mean, I, that's a, no, that doesn't count. I mean, that doesn't, that does not count. I, I'm not talking about the annoyance. It's like you just easily get annoyed. I, I, I'm talking about the annoyance of, of when you, you recognize that this is not what I was planning for. This is not the way I thought it was going to go. And oftentimes when things don't meet our expectation, guess what, what rises to the top? Annoyance. When things don't go the way you expect, you get annoyed. Anybody ever been annoyed? When things don't respond the way I, I thought they would and how it would go, there's this reaction. I want you to know today that if you've ever been annoyed, you're in good company. You're in good company. This is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist such a, a, a common man in Scripture. You, you know John the Baptist. Even the religious world knows John the Baptist. I mean, churches are named after him. There's a whole denomination named after him, the Baptist. He's, he's John the Baptist, he was the cousin of Jesus, and from the very beginning, he knew Jesus better than anyone else. I mean, while John was still in his mother's womb, he was just a seedling. He's, he's, he's just inside his mother's stomach. The Bible says that when Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to meet Elizabeth, the mother of John, that John, or the Bible, or the, 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 the child inside of her, when he heard Mary's voice, he leapt inside of his mother's womb. There was an excitement. There was, there was this, 
He's John the Baptist. He's the, the forerunner. When he was born, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him from the time of his birth. John the Baptist. He came as the prophet of Elisha to his day to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, called to preach the gospel. John the Baptist. He went to the wilderness. He was a crazy fanatic in the wilderness. He, he wore animal skin, camel fur, and ate locusts. He was crazy, but he preached, and people came from all over to hear John the Baptist. He didn't preach in their backyard that was convenient for them. He preached in the wilderness and they came to where he was because John the Baptist was preaching the word. He was baptizing people in repentance. He introduces Jesus to the world when he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Jesus, of course, comes out of the water. The heavens open, a dove descends, and John the Baptist hears the voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. John the Baptist. And where's John the Baptist? He's annoyed. John the Baptist is bothered. I'm here in this prison I've been preaching the gospel. I've been serving. I've been doing what I'm doing. And I've been doing, I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be doing great things. And here I am in prison. And what does John say? The Bible says that while he's in prison, he hears the works of the Messiah. So while he's in prison, he says to his disciples, he says, hey, I want you to, to go and ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? I mean, think of those words. How about the, the audacity Talk about being real. Hey, Jesus, are you for real? Or should I be looking for someone else? Or are you just to pretend? The audacity. I mean, that he would, he would wear his, 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 his heart with such honesty, such vulnerability, such openness. But Jesus doesn't say, who do you think you are? Jesus responds, no, go tell John. Go tell John in his moment of disappointment. I don't know where you've been bothered, where things have not lined up because sometimes your reality doesn't meet your expectations. And how do you respond in those moments? Because what I've learned is that's the moment where faith moves deeper and further and greater. In those moments when I'm able to respond, when life's not the way I thought, when I'm in this prison, when I'm in this spot, and what I see is different than what I've heard. John has heard, but he's in prison. And he sees bars. Now, he had a decent prison setting. I mean, what's a decent prison setting? Herod didn't put him in the depths of the prison. Herod put him in the, in the place where he could still have visitors and guests. Because Herod knew that he was, he was something significant. Herod, who was the king, the, the, really the, the, the king of that day, who was not God-fearing. He, uh, he was a married-in Jew. He wasn't really uh, the, uh, uh, of Jewish nature. He didn't honor and serve the Lord. He did the religious things. And uh, so Herod, of course, was not a God-fearing man. And Herod made a decision to marry his brother's wife. Note, don't marry your brother's wife. Herod makes a decision. He's gonna, you know, just... Take uh, Herod's uh, or his brother's wife, and uh, of course, uh, John the Baptist comes along and says, Hey, we are God honoring people. You're the king of a God honoring place. You can't do that. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not honorable. Herod, by all means, how many know that there are some people? 
that they will respond with, oh, I need to repent. And then other people, no, I'll do what I want to do. How many know there are still people in the world that are like, I'll do what I want to do? How many know people can go to church and be like, I'll do what I want to do? You could still be in an attitude in a place of I'll do what I want to do. Herod, of course, tried to control him, and so Herod puts him in prison. Herod, Herod knows that he's a, a, a something significant about him because the people, the people love hearing from John the Baptist, so he puts him in prison, but not too deep because his, his, his disciples are still able to come and interact with John the Baptist. He's in prison for about a year and a half, and while he's in prison, his disciples come and tell him, hey, the Messiah is doing works. They're following Jesus. Things are happening. And he reaches a place for John. And he's like, enough. You keep telling me what he's doing, but what I see is not lining up with what I expect. And so he says, go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? You probably have been tempted at times when things don't go as, as expected. Because I don't know about you, but what we do when things don't go as expected, we have this saying in our culture, in our world, that some people just like to take their ball and go home. Because when, when there's the tension or the annoyance or the, the thing that's not lining up, it's one of those moments that we have to acknowledge and say, God, what is in me that needs to be confronted? And what is it that you want to operate in and work? Because what we can easily do is give up and say, okay, I'll go look for someone else. This is where John the Baptist was. He was on the verge of saying, okay, somewhere else, something else, someone else. How many know the danger of, okay, if it's not going to meet my expectations, then I'm going to. I want to talk to you today about how do we respond when things don't go the way we expect. Here's from, from this this. This, uh, this text that we read, there's just four things I want to give you. The worship team's going to come in just a couple minutes, and we're going to close. I would encourage us, by the way, anybody ever been annoyed? In those moments of being annoyed, those are opportunities for our expectations to be adjusted. See, our expectations are ours. But just because they're our expectations, how many know that doesn't mean they're God's? It's interesting that when they come into conflict and things don't go as expected, it's interesting that, that one person can be upset because things didn't go as expected when in all reality, that was your own expectation. That was never set as a precedence or set as an expectation. My wife and I, when we got married, um, uh, she would annoy me. And uh, <laughs> I never annoyed her. It was just, that was, you're supposed to laugh because that is, uh, anyway, um, Moving on, uh, the, uh, there, there were moments early on in our marriage, as every marriage will have, is that unmet expectation, the tension over the unmet expectation. There were times of learning, well, you didn't do what I expected, and we had to learn how to communicate our expectations. We had to learn how to, how to communicate what was, what was going on. Well, you didn't meet that expectation, and there were times where like, I didn't even know that was an expectation. I didn't know that was an expectation because that was in your home growing up and I didn't grow up in your home. And so your expectations are set to where you were, but that's not where I was. And so now you brought an expectation in here and expected it to be my expectation. But the problem is I have my own expectations and you have yours. And so we're always gonna be in a conflict if we just assume our expectations over someone else's. The essence of following Jesus is learning how to submit. 
It's learning how to say, not my will, but your will be done. It's learning how to say, not my way, but your way. It's this ability to be able to say, Lord, my reality and expectations aren't what I want them to be. But I know you're still working. If something needs to change, how many have come to a place in your faith, if your faith is strong enough, your faith is, is, is anchored. When something needs to change, you know right away it's not God. God never needs to change. God doesn't change, but your reality does. Your reality, what you, what you, what you process, what you go through, your reality will change. And how do, we, uh, how do we address that? We have to adjust our expectations at times. And when we adjust our expectations, we're able to say, God, it's not my will, but it's your will. I'm not going to remove myself. I'm not going to set apart. I'm not going to, you know, take my ball and go home. I'm not going to just do my own thing. And this is where John the Baptist was. This is what he's saying. Should I, should I go look for someone else? And you've been tempted at times, right? You've been at moments of saying, you know, should I, should I go get new parents? Well, that's not an option. You can't do that. That's not how that works. Should, should, should I just move on, what, whatever that might be? But allowing God to say, God, what is an issue there that you want to work in me? Because in this process, my faith is going to strengthen and I'm going to grow. I have to adjust my expectations. When you hit moments that it doesn't go, as planned, here's something else I want to encourage you with, is you have to acknowledge your experience. There's an experience that God has, has given. No one can deny your experience. Whatever is your experience, it's your experience. When someone says to me, this is how I feel, you can't say to them, no, you don't. No, it's your experience. And so what is your experience with God when your relationship with Jesus, being honest and knowing? Jesus says to the, to the disciples, go tell John what you have seen and what you've heard. He's saying to them, go give your testimony. Your testimony is what you know of God. And there are moments when I think what I know of God doesn't line up with what I don't know of God. Okay? When, when what I know of God doesn't match what I don't know of God. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Let me say it this way. I would say to you today, the ocean is so deep. Do you know how deep the ocean is? They have not even been able to, to calculate and really fully know how deep the ocean is. It shifts, it's changed, the tides. It's deeper than we even recognize. It is so deep. There are creatures within the ocean that are more than they even know because it is so deep. It is so large. There's so many different creatures in it. The ocean is way too much. But guess what you do? Every summer, you go to the ocean and you prop up your feet. You put your feet your, your, your feet in the sand. You walk into the water. You enjoy the waves. Why? Because it doesn't matter to you that you don't understand how big, how wide, how deep, but you just know it's refreshing. It's good. And so you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the moments when you get discouraged, you have to remind yourself the experience that he is God. He is with me. He is faithful. He's met me in the past. He'll do it again. Is there anyone who has tasted and seen that he is good. I'd just take a couple seconds and give him praise if you believe he's good. I've tasted and seen. And there's that experience. The enemy can't take away your experience. I know where I was the day that Jesus revealed his love to me and opened my eyes to how great and how wonderful his love was. You can't take that from me. I know my experience, my testimony. Now listen, every experience needs to be backed up with evidence. And so here's the third thing, is that I've got to have actual evidence. And when Jesus said, go tell them what you see and what you've heard, go give your testimony, go tell them what you've experienced. And then Jesus says, tell him, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lame walk, the gospel is preached even to the poor. He's telling him, here's the evidence. Because when you go back to tell John what you've seen, 
I'm revealing Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 says, when the Messiah comes, how will you know he's the Messiah? Well, he'll, be, he'll bring miracles. His miracles will mark the coming of the Messiah. Jesus, and, and if you read, as you read scripture, you recognize that many people follow Jesus because he did what no one else could do. I mean, who else has fed 5,000 people, not counting women and children? Who else has raised a synagogue ruler's daughter from the dead? No one has ever. Who else has cast out demons to not just cast out demons, but to see this individual restored and brought to their right mind and hope and salvation? Only Jesus. And he's making a point here. He's saying there's evidence. Every experience needs to be built on evidence. And the evidence comes from the word of God. When your expectations, when things don't go the way you expect, you're not holding on to your expectations. You're holding on to the word of God. Because you're going to have moments when things don't go the way they expect. You're going to get bothered. You're going to get annoyed. And people are going to come along and say, how can you trust God? He took that from you. How can you trust God when he let that happen in your life? How can you, how can you still have faith when God let those things fall apart? How can you still trust God in those moments? I'm saying because I'm not holding on to my expectations. I'm holding on to the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. I'm holding on to the word of God. It is what is keeping and what is sustaining. My expectations have to shift. They have to change to the one who never changes, and that is the word of God that will never change. And sometimes the the unmet expectations are simply just pointing to what Paul said in Colossians. Look not at the things below, but things that are above. Don't fix your eyes on things on this earth. Fix your eyes on things above. I don't know about you, but sometimes the more annoyed and bothered I get in life, the more, the more adoring and loving I become with the kingdom of God, with the heaven, with the promises of God, the hope in the future. I remind myself this is just temporary. And it's evidenced by the word of God. Here's the last thing. The last thing is, We've got to walk in absolute endurance. Keep going. Don't stop. The enemy's going to try to discourage. The enemy's going to try and cause us to, to give up, to make us say, is this worth it? Should I just go somewhere else? Find someone else who gets me? Find somewhere else that I fit in, I belong, and, and whatever that might be, as, as God will lead, absolutely. But I think sometimes there's moments that, that God wants to deepen our faith. And by just running away from what annoys us, we'll never let God deepen and take us where we need to go. Because we can just run away from what annoys us. And, and the, the, the difficult thing is we just run from one thing to another and sometimes it's inside of me that that Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want you to mature. I want you to grow up. I, I want you to anchor yourself in, in, in me deeper. Yeah, but God, I, I, I get annoyed because, God, it feels like they love them more than they love me. God, I feel like they get the attention, but I'm not getting the attention that they're getting, and I'm annoyed. God, feels like... When I, when I come into the room, everybody else is friends and I don't feel like I fit into that group. I don't, I don't have that connection. I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm bothered. And that's because that's how they are over there. And that's what they do. And I've convinced myself that everything's annoying. I just got to keep going to where I can fit in. Guess what? You're going to keep going and going because the only place you'll fit in is when you get to heaven and the old is gone and the new has come. You'll see him in all his glory. You will keep traveling in this place because the place you really belong is in the presence of Almighty God. 
And so what I want to say to us is, is, yeah, there's moments that we get annoyed and we're bothered, and I get it, but it's a moment God wants our faith to get deeper. God wants our faith to move to, a, to, a, to another place of, of deepening. And there are moments you feel like giving up. There are moments you feel like, I don't even know if this is worth it. But can I remind you, the enemy wants to come and snatch the seed out of the soil. The enemy wants to come and take the seed out of the soil. But when I trust God, God, I'm going to keep nurturing the soil. God, wherever there's bitter roots that need to be dealt with, there's unbelief that needs to be dealt with, there's stuff that I just need to process. I need, I need your grace. I need you to heal me. I need you to do this work in me. He allows us to get to a place that recognizing everything he's doing is position us right where we need to be. It's interesting. When you go to the early part of Matthew, the Bible says that when Jesus learned that John the Baptist was put in prison, so about a year or so before this occurrence, Jesus learns that John the Baptist is put in prison. This is how he begins his ministry. John the Baptist is in prison, and the Bible says that um, Jesus went into these villages and he began to preach just like it was prophesied. It struck me when I read that, that the prophecy spoken in Isaiah was fulfilled when Jesus walked among Zebedee and these lands, these areas. And it says that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. It was prophesied in Isaiah, fulfilled in Matthew. And guess what was the triggering part that was right before that? John the Baptist was put in prison. The prophecy fulfilled of Jesus shining light on those in dark places was set up when Jesus learned that John the Baptist was put in prison. Can I say to you, you say, Jason, my, my, my walls aren't what I expected. Guess what? God knows. God knows. He knew before your, your disappointment, your struggle. He knew. He was already there. He knew this is not off, out of surprise or, or out of the blue. To God. God knew where you would be. And he knew where you, hey, so you know what? He sent me to say to you today, hey, He's opening blind eyes. He's restoring. Hold on. In your moment when you feel like giving up, when you say, should I go somewhere else? Should I look for someone else? Should I just do something? No, hold on. You see, we're the body of Christ, and as the body of Christ, we build one another up. And I just wonder if we could do that. Can, can we just take a moment and build each other up for a moment? Would you, would you, how many are willing to just, co just I won't say cooperate, but just be a part of this for a moment. I'm gonna need you to respond, all right? If you're here today, and your marriage has been restored because God's grace and mercy came into your lives and God restored your marriage. It was once broken, but God has restored your marriage. If you're here today and God has restored your marriage, would you stand up? Would you stand? I know you say he's going to put you on the spot. I just, if you, you've been restored, God has done something in your marriage and is restored. <laughs> Yeah. Don't you tell me he can't do it. No, no, please keep standing. I, I, know, I know we're the body of Christ is a little uncomfortable right now. It's not because we're encouraging one another. If you're here today and you've had a story that 
addiction had a hold of you and you had no way of getting out. You never thought you would see the next day. You didn't know where you would be, but you're here today because God delivered you. Whatever that substance was, whatever it was alcohol, whatever it was drugs, but God is still, if you're here today and God delivered you, come on, stand, come on, look, come on, don't tell me he can't do it. Look at this, look at this, come on. Don't tell me he's not a God of deliverance. Don't tell me he can't. Don't, don't, keep standing. Keep standing. I, I wonder today if there's someone here and you said, I've been praying for a son or a daughter. I've been praying that they would come to know Jesus. They, they've been away and God has answered my prayer. My children or family member that I prayed for has come to Jesus. If that's you today, that's your testimony. I want you to stand. You say, God has answered my prayer. He has brought. Come on, look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. He's not done working. He's not done working. You're here and you say, I, I, I was sick in my body. I, I didn't know where I would turn. I thought I'd just live like this. I didn't know what it would be. I didn't know what would turn or how it would come about. But I had a sickness. I had something in my health, my condition. But God has healed me. God has restored me. He's made me new. Come on, if that's your testimony, I want you to stand up and just give glory to God. Come on. Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it. He's a God of the impossible. He's the God who never fails. Don't give up. Keep standing. I want you to keep standing for a moment because I want the others that are here, I don't know who's here today. You might be in a prison that feels like all I see are bars. All I see is my emptiness. All I see is my brokenness. Oh, but the word of God, he's calling out an audible and he says the lame are still walking. The blind are still seeing. The dead are still being raised. He's not done working. He's still the God of miracles. If you believe that this morning, come on, stand all across this room and let's declare who he is. I don't know what you need from God, but he's more than able to meet whatever need it is. He's more than able. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the end of